Beyond the Pulpit, a Renewal Fellowship post-sermon podcast where we look back at the sermon that was preached past Sunday and get to chat about the bites that did not make it into the sermon and some of the ways the sermon applies to our lives. You may be listening from your car, driving or just chilling at home. This conversation is for stirring your affections for Jesus in your everyday life. Enjoy. Welcome to Beyond the Pulpit. Uh, my name is Tobias Onis Tole and I'm standing in for Asanda Nambangidi. Today we are uh, so happy to have with us uh, Ubaba Uviktor uh, Naka. He's affectionately known as Brother Vic. Uh, is that it? <laughs> yeah, 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 that's good. That's good. Yeah. So uh, we we were looking at um, 1 Samuel chapter um, uh, chapter 10 to 13. But before we jump into that specifically, I would just like to know a bit more about uh, Ubaba, Uviktor, um, a very experienced man. Uh, I don't want to give away his age, mm-hmm. but yeah. <laughs> Please tell us about yourself. You have a lovely home and yeah, yeah we just yeah. glad to be here. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Toby. Uh, so I'm Victor. I'm married to Nosizo, uh, Mamzizi, we call her. Uh, and we are blessed with uh, two adult daughters and uh, two grandchildren uh, and a son-in-law. Um, uh, we, we, we also have a dog called Isa, um, <laughs> a dog which our youngest daughter uh, loves dearly. Sure. Um, it's good to be here. No, that's, I'm glad to have you, uh, uh, Babu Victor. Through your sermon, we, we heard a lot of nuggets around um, the, the dangers, especially mm-hmm. um, in terms of uh, disobedience or, or delayed mm-hmm. obedience. Briefly, uh, if mm-hmm. you would, for our audience... Give us a bit of that outline. The theme in First Samuel is that, uh, you know, the king that uh, uh, they needed and the king that we need is the kind of king who obeys God all the time. Sure. Uh, a, a king who is humble, a king, a king who is not a rival to God. Mm. Um, and, and that's the king we need. And that's the king, you know, who who can serve us well. And so as we look at, uh, you know, First Samuel chapter 13, uh, we have to go back to chapter 10 and 11 mm. to see the rise uh, of Saul, um, how Saul became king. In fact, uh, the story is interesting because um, Saul is your kind of reluctant, uh, you know, leader. Uh, he has to be sought after. He has to be brought in. He literally has to be dragged in because sure. more than, you know, you notice between chapter 10 and chapter 13, you know, he was installed king three times. Mm. You know, and every so often he would go back to farming. He yeah. would go back to looking, you know, after donkeys. You know, he would go back to talking about donkeys, even to the point when, you know, he had been made king. He went home and he didn't tell his uncle, sure. right, that, you know, this king thing, you know, had, had happened. What, 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 was the, what was the responsibility he had and was he empowered uh, mm-hmm. to, to mm-hmm. do that? Yeah. Did, yeah. did he have a reason to have that fear or reluctance? Yeah. Well, I, I think, you know, the, the author, the narrator of uh, First Samuel was trying to help us understand that um, uh, Saul was the, you know, kind of leader who God had, had to draw in. <clears throat> he, you know, he was not ambitious for leadership. Uh, in fact, he was, you know, a good guy who wanted to do the right thing. Right, as compared to all the other kings we have read about, you know, so far, 
uh, and even the miracles, right? God was, you know, trying to assure and reassure him hmm. that he has indeed, you know, called him into this thing. Uh, and his job was to serve his people, right? Obey God, serve his people, protect his people. I mean, the reason why in chapter 10, you know, that outpost, you know, the, you know, is important to highlight is because, you know, once he had experienced the power of God, the Holy Spirit working on his behalf, uh, he should have noticed that, well, you know, we have some terrorists, you know, mm. close by. We need to get rid of them because the job of the king was to protect the people. So, so in, in terms of Saul's approach or responses, was he being someone who's saying, I'm not going to do it or I'm, I'm, I'll, I'll, I'll eventually get to it? Uh, is, is... Well, it could be all of the above because the, the assumption when you look at, you know, how God was reassuring Saul was that, you know, when Saul has experienced all these signs, the you know, the signs have come true, uh, he should know what next to do, right? He should know. Uh, and so it would be difficult to say that, you know, uh, Saul was clueless. He didn't know what to do. So yes, procrastination, but hence the theme of delayed obedience, sure. right? Even to the point where it's his son who had to deal with the problem, hmm. you know, and not himself. Uh, you know, procrastination, reluctance on his part, uh, or it could even be, you know, just the general reasoning of any ordinary leader. You know, if I do this, what if this sparks a bigger problem? Sure. You know, or, well, maybe the problem will solve itself, hmm. right? And yet when clearly you've been told, well, you have a problem, but I will sort it out for you as long as you obey. Um, and and that's where I think we have a problem with Saul, isn't it? So so, uh, do you, do you think it takes then um, this this idea of leadership and the responsibility uh, that is thrust upon Christian leaders um, to to be courageous? Well, I, 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 you're right. I, I I think you know uh, courage in leadership is important, uh, but we should also you know underline the fact that often uh, lack of courage is a sign of unbelief, isn't sure. it? Sure. Because he has saw, uh, he has already had a test of what God could do through him. Mm. That's the reason why everybody was celebrating it, sure. right? Uh, and yet when it comes to this one instruction, this one task, he seems disobedient, he seems reluctant, uh, he's not willing to do it there and then. Uh, is it that he was not trusting God enough? Perhaps. Mm. Uh, but, you know, his mistrust of God is not because God had not demonstrated his power. I, I want us to maybe think through the, the gravity of the danger that was mm, there. Mm, 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 and mm. Um, in a sense... Go into what then the fear of Usao is. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, it's actually interesting to go back a little, okay. uh, you know, to when, uh, you know, uh, Saul had his first victory, you know, yeah. when he went after the Ammonites. The, the, Ammonites. Yeah. Uh, the narrator doesn't tell us whether, you know, Saul and his armies were bigger, more powerful than the Ammonites. Sure. We, we're not told that. But what is clear with the Philistines is that, you know, with Jonathan getting rid of the outposts, God was literally setting up the Philistines, you sure. know, getting them angry. And they came out with everything, 
hmm. right? You know, they came out with all the ammunition and all Chariots that. And, all of uh, and, and, you know, demonstrating that they were bigger, they were more powerful. Um, uh, and, 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 and that's the reason why we cannot underestimate the fear that Saul might have had, you know, to experience and his armies. Because they were outnumbered, not just in terms of the number of soldiers, but in terms of the ammunition, mm. right? You know, they were outnumbered in every way. Outnumbered and outgunned. Oh, yeah. So it was real fear. It was sure. real panic. Uh, and yet one would have expected, you know, that Saul would remember, well, you know, uh, I, I've never had any victory where I am more powerful, um, um, you know, I have better. No, it's because of God. Sure. Right? It's the promises of God. God has promised to go ahead of us. And and the instruction, just to maybe be clear for our audience, the instruction was here to wait for seven days. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So there's this great threat, there's this great challenge. Mm-hmm. There is a sense of fear, a sense of threat, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. Yeah. what can mm-hmm. we what can yeah. we clean from this yeah. in, in yeah. the sense of circumstances yeah. are mm-hmm. the the fear is even more heightened right by right. By, yeah. by the problem yeah yeah right. you know whilst yeah. you wait uh yeah. the situation the circumstances yeah. are not going to look better sure or get better in fact the opposite is true because whilst he's waiting for the seven days uh the philistines are mobilizing mm. right they are bringing everyone on board uh and it's visible that you know they're way stronger, way better equipped, you know, than Saul and his armies. So it's seven days of waiting whilst the circumstances are not looking good. And what escalated as I was listening was the, the idea that now the soldiers were, were scattering. Right, they were running. Running as far. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and it's, so, it's so amazing that he had this organized army, this, this thing that he could be place his confidence on, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. and he was losing it. Well, the question really is, what do we do uh, whilst we wait, right? You know, the question is for Saul, uh, what should he have done, you know, with his armies whilst waiting, uh, whilst circumstances were basically saying, you know, it's over, you're dead. Mm. What should he have done? Well, the only thing that was going for Saul was what God had done and what God had promised. Sure. Right? The only thing going for Saul was how he became king and how God reassured him through those miracles. Uh, and the fact that he actually had a test of the victory that only comes before because God is fighting on your behalf. That's all he had. So what should he have done whilst waiting? Well, reassure his armies that God is indeed sitting on the throne, not him, mm. right? That God indeed is going to fight for them. And it's not about numbers. It's not about strength. You know, you know, those who, others will come on their chariots, but we come in the name of the Lord. Mm. Uh, what do we do whilst we're waiting? We, we go back to the promises of God, sure. right? Uh, like I said in my conclusion on Sunday, you know, uh, we want to help remind our leaders of the joy of obeying God. Sure. Stories of obedience and how God won on our behalf. Uh, that's all that Saul needed to do. Uh, it's almost as if Saul needed to preach to his armies and preach to, to himself. himself. Preach the gospel to yourself. 
whilst you wait. The victories, the past victories, the past victories, how God has been trustworthy, how God has been faithful, because that's all we have, right? That's, in other words, all we have is the gospel, right? Mm. You know, Jesus won the victory on the cross. Yeah, and, and I think, you know, we need to be honest that the reason why we struggle, uh, you know, with, uh, delayed fulfillment, uh, is because we struggle with faith, mm. right? It's a lack of faith. It's a lack of trusting God. Because remember, God has promised, right? God has promised. He has demonstrated himself to be faithful, to be trustworthy. Uh, you know, we have tons and tons of stories of the faithfulness of God. Uh, and, and all we need to do is to put our trust in him. Right. Sure. Uh, if, if you were to ask, you know, what one thing does God want me today in order to have a more fulfilled life, mm. you know, more fulfilled Christian experience? Well, what scripture says, Galatians and other passages is have faith in God, mm. right? Put your faith, put your trust in God. Uh, and out of that comes obedience. Mm. Out of that comes the, the one fruit of faith. Sure. Which is love, right? Sure. Love God, you know, and love neighbor. So I, I think delayed fulfillment is a challenge for us because we struggle to take God at His own word. Sure, we we struggle to believe that what God, you know, God means what He says, and therefore we need to hang on that because that's all we have. Sure, and and as you speak about that, I think I'm 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 drawn to texts like Romans five in terms of how these these threats, these challenges uh, are, are meant to do a work in us. Mm, and so mm, much mm, and so much so that we we, we know we don't normally think the threat is, is meant for our 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 our, our, our oh, sanctification yeah. and our mm. growth. We miss the opportunity if we like God, I just want you to remove this now. Mm, like mm, I want you mm, to deal mm, with this mm, now mm, or mm. else I'm I'm gonna Take mm-hmm. matters into my own hand. Yeah. And yeah. how how did Saul do that? Uh, how did he? What was the instruction? Wait. And yeah. Then, so wait uh, uh, until the you know man of God you yeah. know arrives. In other words, you know what the narrator is telling to us uh, is that you know God speaks through you know the 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 priests, mm-hmm. um, and the priests were supposed to come you know, seven days to do the sacrifice and then give Saul the next instructions, mm. right? In other words, remember, we've already seen through the signs that, you know, uh, Saul was instructed how to fight and how to win, mm-hmm. you know, the, the wars. So Saul was supposed to wait for God to instruct him. Mm. Um, uh, in other words, Saul understood very well that without the sacrifices, uh, there is no instruction as to what next. So I actually think that Saul thought, well, if he gets on with it and does the sacrifices, then he's going to hear God say, well, here's what next to do. Sure. Right. But this was not his to do. Mm. Right. God did not speak through the king. God spoke through the prophet. Sure. Yeah. He, he made a plan. Oh, yeah. He made a plan. <laughs> yeah. He made a plan. In sure. fact, you know, one of my, uh, favorite stories, you know, as we, as we look at Saul is, you know, imagine that, uh, there was a mother, mm-hmm. uh, whose son was part of the army, having been mobilized. And she was privy to God 
giving the instructions to Saul. Uh, and she got to understand that God meant business with the obedience part, hmm. right? He meant business. So can you imagine that mother at the end hearing Saul saying, ah, the prophet is not here. I, I'm sure God doesn't mind, you know, if I do it differently. Uh, you know, let, let's just change the plan a little bit. And this mother is listening in. Mm. And he knows that God meant business when he said, wait mm. until the prophet, until the sacrifice, you will be given instructions. Can you imagine the, the horror of this mother having to face the consequences of what was going to happen because Saul chose to do his own thing? Mm. Uh, and, and that's the point, isn't it? You know, with regards to obedience and leadership that you can actually watch a leader lead his people into disobedience. Mm. Uh, and yet God would have spoken so clearly you sure. know, through his word. And, and perhaps that's the, the, the weightiness of the response that, 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 that we see in terms of the judgment, because it's like, it's not just soul. Yeah. There's, yeah. It's the consequences to, to the decisions he makes as a yeah. leader. Yeah. Yeah, and remember, you know, God, you know, had said in chapter 10, 11, that things will be okay for you as long as the king obeys God and mm. the people obey God. Sure. And we have a situation here where the king disobeyed God and he led the people into it's disobedience. disobedience. And, and the response of, of, of Samuel was, was telling, what have you done? Yeah. What have you done, so? And and you mentioned a big word there. Um, I think I need you to elaborate on it mm -hmm. for for our people. Being pragmatic. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it's you know when we get carried away with what works. Uh, you, you know, you take a single lady uh, who has been waiting to find a husband, um, sure. and then decides, yeah, listen, you know, this might not work. I, I'm just going to get pregnant, right? Uh, in other words, you know, practically they have solved a problem, right? Mm -hmm. The problem of having a child and having a family, right? Uh, and it might even work, right? That, you know, she will be happier because now she has a baby, you know, maybe she has a good job. But just because it works does not make it right. Mm. Uh, and, and that's where the, the problem of pragmatism comes in. Just because it works does not mean uh, it, it, you know, it's right. You know, just because it works does not mean it pleases God or it's not disobedience. Sure. Um, yeah. If we imagine, you know, Saul, if he had done this and he actually went ahead to win the war, you know, with the Philistines, well, it's still disobedience mm. because God did not say offer the sacrifices, right? No, he said, wait. <laughs> sure. Yeah, that's all that God said. Yeah. So even if, you know, for some reason, you know, they, they, they went to war and won, uh, it would still be disobedience and God would have had to deal with that disobedience. So with, 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 with Usal, what are, what are some of the excuses he, he made? It's just for us to, to clearly see why perhaps we are drawn into being sympathetic. Yeah, yeah. What, what are the some yeah. of, some of the excuses he made? Yeah. Well, I, I think the, the the first one, which really draws us towards Saul, is the fact that 
you know, so managed to get to day number seven. Uh, you know, while circumstances around him were getting worse. Uh, so we were drawn to that, that, you know, this is day number seven and where is Saul? Uh, and you remember I said it was almost as though Saul said, well, you know, uh, summer, I'm giving you up to midday. If you're not here by midday, uh, yeah, I'm going to do my own thing. Uh, and, and what he meant by that was, listen, I, I, I am watching as my army is disintegrating. Uh, mm. The 300,000, remember, he had, you know, over and above the army, he had invited 300,000, okay. you know, to come join him. And they were all running, you know, mm. some of them wanting to go as far away as they could. Why? Because they were overwhelmed. They were afraid. They were hiding in caves and that's what the text tells us. Uh, so source excuses, what did you want me to do mm. when everybody was afraid and running away? I had to do something, mm. right? I had to do something instead of just waiting. In other words, I had to do something instead of just obeying. I'm in danger. I'm desperate, so it's the reason for my disobedience. Uh, yeah, my <laughs> circumstances are not getting any better. Sure. Uh, how do I know that you're going to come through for me? Sure. How do, and that's the reason why this is really about faith, isn't it? Mm. You know, do we trust God enough to wait even right up to the last minute? Because the text tells us that, you know, when Saul had just finished making the sacrifice, then Samuel pitched up. Sure. Um, if he had just waited one more minute, if he had just waited another hour, mm. right? Uh, but but he couldn't because he panicked. Mm. Uh, but the reason why he panicked was because he forgot the promises of God. Sure, he he forgot how God had demonstrated being trustworthy, how God had fought for him, and that the Philistines were nothing compared sure. to God. He forgot that. There's no excuse, but. His excuses are something that we relate to. Oh yeah, yeah, and, we can uh, identify with them. Yeah. yeah well, remember, that, yeah, yes. remember that he, you know, Saul is your, your, your normal human being, uh, become king, right? You know, young, uh, you know, you you could even second guess him when you look at the three times, sure. you know, he he was installed king. He he, he was the type who was likely. To do the right thing, sure. right? Even his struggle, you know, the seven days. <laughs> well, at least he didn't give up the second day sure. or the third day or the fourth day, right? He gave up right towards the end. And that's why we can identify with that. Sure. But, uh, listen, he, he tried, mm. you know, at least so tried. Mm. Right. And it was right at the end. And that's typical of us. Sure. Right. That's typical of us when, you know, we have waited long, but not long enough. Mm. Right. And, and we think we have a good excuse because God has delayed mm. or God has forgotten. Uh, and so we can sympathize, you mm. know, with, with so in that regard. Yeah. The idea of being prescriptive and these mm-hmm. are not like suggestions. Uh, right. Right. Yeah. Well, you know, as we look at scripture, you know, God, you know, only God can tell us how he wants to be worshipped, isn't it? Um, and, and that's why what he says to us about worship is prescriptive, right? What, what constitutes worship 
the worship of God. You know, the as we read in Scripture, you know, the prayer, the reading of Scripture, the teaching, the preaching of Scripture, you know, the singing, right? You know, all these things that are prescribed to us as opposed to suggested, you know, to us. Uh, and so it's it's always important uh, to 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 understand what it is that God prescribes to us you know, as, you know, as worship. Uh, and, and that's a good example of where at times, you know, church leaders or worship leaders for that matter, in wanting to be creative or in wanting to attract, you know, people. I mean, the reason why we end up talking about seeker-sensitive worship services sure. or worship services that are targeting a particular demographic and so we, you know, wiggle in and, mm. and adjust just, you know, what worship is so that we attract them and keep them. You know, for example, you know, in the preaching and teaching, right? I mean, mm. we know that the gospel is offensive to sure. many people. Uh, but at times we want to remove the offense of the gospel so that we attract a certain demographic. Mm. Uh, you know, we're not going to mention the the evils of homosexuality in our service mm. because we don't want to offend those who are struggling with homosexuality. Sure. Um, and yet scripture is very clear as to what is prescribed. And, and you know, we need to, to be careful that we, we're not undermining the struggles, the pressure, uh, because we have to accept that, you know, scripture tells us that God hates sin but he loves the sinner, mm-hmm. right? And the church is for sinners, mm-hmm. right? The church is like a hospital, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so you want to attract broken people and sinful people into the church because the church is meant to be like that. But having done that, the reason why sinners come to church is so that they can hear the gospel, sure. so that they can confess sin and repent, uh, not so that they can come in and they just pump it. And they're told, well, God accepts you the way you are and you can remain the way you are. No, 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 no. God allows you in the way you are and he wants to change you because mm. he is that kind of God. Um, how important is it for us as Christians? Because your application mm-hmm. was focused on Christian leaders. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How, mm-hmm. how important is it for us to to think through how we view Mm-hmm. Our leaders. Well, I, I, I think like, you know, First Samuel tells us that, you know, the, the only king, the only leader who is good for the people of God uh, is a leader who is humble, a leader who is not, uh, you know, uh, a, a rival to God. Mm. It's a leader who obeys God always. It's a leader uh, who acknowledged, who acknowledges that God is still king, seated on the throne. And therefore, we as leaders are under shepherds. Mm. And God has sent us to serve his people. Uh, so I think one, for me, uh, this makes church membership very important, right? You know, church membership, commitment to a local church mm-hmm. where you pray for your leader, uh, you you encourage and support your leader. How do you encourage and support your leader or leaders? Well, you always want to, you know, tell your leaders stories of uh, the beauty of obedience, mm. the beauty of sticking with what God has prescribed, the beauty of teaching the gospel mm. without compromise, uh, even when some people are against it or some people stop coming to church you know, and all that. 
So you want to find opportunity to encourage your leaders, you know, that way. But you also want to encourage your leaders uh, by, you know, being true to the priesthood of all believers as taught in mm. scripture, that we are all priests at the end of the day. And therefore, you know, you, you want to challenge, you know, leaders when, you know, what they preach is not consistent, you mm. know, with scripture. You want to ask questions. You want to ask for accountability. Sure. You know, you, you, you want your leaders to be just as normal as everybody else. In other words, they have the same challenges as you. Mm-hmm. So you want to be interested in, you know, the families. You know, the, these leaders have families. How are their marriages doing? How is parenting going? How, as opposed to elevating them to the mm. pedestal, as though they don't face the same challenges as everybody else. And where you can't ask uh, yeah. tough questions. Oh, yeah, yeah, you know, tough questions. Because, you know, remember, you know, first summer was trying to tell us that uh, human leaders, right, will never be able to obey God always, mm. right? Only Jesus, you know, can do that, right? You know, our human leaders uh, w- w- will not be able to consistently, you know, do everything God wants them to do, right? Why? Because only Jesus, you mm. know, yeah. So that puts leaders and us in the same boat. Mm. You know, we face the same challenges of obedience, disobedience. You know, we all face this faith crisis, you know, when the pressure is too much, you know, do we choose God or we choose someone else? Do we fear God or cultural pressure, you know, and all that? Um, Sure. So, so, Babu Victor, we're going to land this plane with with Mm. this one question, and I like the Mm. fact that you've already kind of mentioned it. How how did Jesus do it? what what does it look like to have this king we need mm-hmm. Who, mm-hmm. who does it who does what we we can never do yeah and why is it important for us to mm-hmm. to remember mm-hmm. that yeah yeah well you know important for us to remember you know this jesus because he is all that we need he is everything that we need he is the only one who obeyed god completely even unto death uh, he is the only one who, when he was under these pressures, he never sinned. Mm. Uh, like us, because he's the God-man, and yet he never sinned. He never compromised. He never you know, second-guessed uh, God. He always acknowledged the Father is seated on the throne. Uh, so, yeah, Jesus is the only king. Uh, who we can rely on. He's the only king that we need. Why? Because he fulfilled the requirements of the law. Mm. Only him did not sin. Only him did not cave in. Even, you know, the seven days, right? You know, Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane, when he said, Father, if at all possible, let this cup pass, right? Helping us understand this was real pain, real stress, real and yet, real difficulty, and yet he did not give in. Mm. Right? He did not give in to sin. He did not give in to temptation. He won even on the cross. He went all the way and died. Mm. Right? And he was raised, you know, from the grave. Uh, so he is the only king who can do this for us. Mm. Thank you so much, uh, Babu Victor. That was really, really um, encouraging.
say insightful in, in terms of the, the challenges we face as leaders, the challenges we face as God's people. And yet we need to rely on the perfect obedience of, of, of what Christ has done for us. Amen. And and continually look to him. Uh, to enable us to live this Christian life, mm. uh, as you, as you, in your words, you say, a lifestyle of of repentance, mm. a lifestyle mm. of daily relying yeah. on yeah. this King, the only mm. King mm. we need. 